Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Hope Church Online. We are so glad that you are joining us this morning. I'm Ben. I'm Christian. And we want to just share with you some of the things that we have available so that you can stay connected with us here at New Hope. And the first thing is, if you haven't already, if you have a smartphone, go ahead and download our New Hope Church app. Yeah, there's a lot of awesome things on there. You can find our online services. You can find an online Bible with our current devotions in our bookmark. If you haven't been able to find a paper bookmark, you can find it right on the app. And there's other things that you can find, such as our Rooted and Growing, which is our small groups, our discipleship small groups that have been meeting throughout this season, right? Yeah, there's a lot of awesome different classes and groups. So if you want to try and find um, other believers and you want to try and go deeper in your relationship with God find or follow that link right down there and you can find a group that fits for you you know it's so awesome is that in this season that we've been through this past year uh, we still had rooted and growing small groups meet uh, via zoom or even in person so yeah be sure to check that out and also another thing that we have is something called home groups and home groups is where uh, groups meet in homes whether it's our close family members or maybe close friends whoever you feel comfortable in your home and what they do is they meet in their home and they watch service they get to discuss have conversations about what they're learning and how they're growing and so maybe you're interested in more about home groups so you can also find out more information there as well as some of you are actually in home groups right now and if you are we want to say thank you so much for joining us and what's really cool is if you join us 15 minutes before service starts we actually have home group trainings to help you lead your home groups We also have some more resources that we wanted to um, let you guys know about. We have our Right Now Media. If you text that link right there, you get access to a giant library of Christian content and teachings. If you like our uh, Wednesday night services where we're going through the Bible Project videos, you can find all the videos there and also different videos about different um, books or different uh, topics. So I like going through Right Now Media sometimes just to uh, grow deeper in my relationship with the Lord. You know what's really cool too about Right Now Media is that there's so many things for so many different types of people. Like if you're a young adult, there's a section for young adults. Uh, If you're married, there's a section for uh, marriages and children. In in fact, speaking of children, uh, we actually have our New Hope Children's Ministry, our marvelous children's ministry. They actually have their own Instagram at NH Marvelous Kids. And what's really cool is if you follow them on Instagram, you see all the things that they've been doing. Uh, I believe every single Wednesday and Sunday, they actually post really fun content as well as messages from Uncle Steve and Auntie Kim and Auntie Debbie and so it's really cool is that you can stay connected especially if you have kids on NH Marvelous Kids uh, at, at, on Instagram and it's really cool it's like it's so many projects that they do so be sure to follow them on Instagram and also don't forget to follow us on our social medias we have an Instagram a Facebook and our services are on YouTube but until then have a great day Thanks, Christian, for helping us with the announcements. And you know what's really cool is that uh, today, right now, we're going to get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. And you know what's really cool about giving our tithes and offerings? We're not giving it to a place. We're giving it to God. And the best part about it is that God doesn't just do anything with it. He, do, he does something great with it. In fact, I remember years ago uh, when, I was first, when I first came on staff, uh, actually, before that, I, I, I met this kid, this young kid, and we just so happened served on the on the um, recording ministry together. 
And recording ministry was a lot of fun, uh, especially when, you're, when you had these kids hanging out. And, but there's something really awesome and special about this young man. And uh, talking stories with him, getting to build a relationship, getting to build a friendship with him was so awesome. And I remember when he was in high school, uh, he was given the task of speaking on a Wednesday night. And I remember how nervous this kid was prior to him speaking. And I just remember saying, dude, you got it. You got it. It's going to be awesome. And I remember when he came on this stage and spoke. And one, I was real laughing because I was just so proud of him. And the way he spoke was, was remarkable for a young man his age. I believe he was a sophomore in high school. And what's so amazing is that years after that, that same young man spoke for the last two Wednesday nights here on this stage. That man was Christian. That boy was Christian. And man, seeing what God has done in his life as well as in other people's lives, it's no wonder why it's so easy to give to God because he gives so so much more back. And what he does with it is far greater than anything we could ever imagine. Because what he does with it, he changes lives. And what a joy it is that we get to be a part of that as we give to him our tithes and offerings. Now, there's four ways that you can give. We have our NHC app that you can give. You have our online that you can give. We have, you can still mail in checks to our church office here at 840 Kupalao. Or even, you can even sign, uh, sign up for text to give that signs up, uh, sets up a profile so that you can give easily. But let us not get distracted on how we give, but more importantly, focus on why we give as God continues to do great things the lives of these people. Would you join me as we pray for our tithes and offerings this morning? Lord, we come before you right now, Lord, and Lord, we thank you so much that, Lord, it's not where we're, we're trusting our finances to a place, but we're trusting you. And what happens in that trust is, Lord, you take it, you take our tithes and offerings, and you do great things with it because that's a reflection of who you are. You are our great Lord and Savior. What a joy it is, Lord, that as, as we continue to give into you and, and see what you're doing, Lord, you continue to change the lives of your people. And so I pray right now, Lord, for those who are giving, that we give out of a cheerful and joyful heart, knowing that our God isn't done yet. And so, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we continue to look forward to what you're going to do in the lives of your people. We pray for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Shonen is continuing his series, Our Story, His Story, and we're going to discover who am I in his story. Thank you, Pastor Ben. And that's true. We are all a part of God's story. Uh, and, and just talking about Christian and, and who he is today, uh, those are just one of the stories of the hundreds that come through our doors every single, well, <laughs> within the past year online. Uh, that God is doing something in you. So just because you, you're not here doing things like this doesn't mean that God is not doing something significant and, and profound in your life. Everybody has a story and everyone has a journey that they're on with God. Today, as we discover who we are in his story, you know, as believers, we can get lost in history. We can get lost in the things that the world is going through. We can get lost and lose sight of the story that God is building in and through all of us. His story is far greater than what we see in history. We see events, but God sees, he sees things so differently. We're temporary. God is eternal. 
Life is a journey, and God wants to walk with us side by side as his, as his story unfolds throughout our life. And when we discover who we are in his story, it helps us to gain that purposeful living and, and to remember that everything we do has value to it and importance to it. See, we're becoming different every single day. Our, our bodies change. Uh, our health changes. Our facial, uh, what, what would you call this? Our, our, our face uh, youthfulness. Our youthfulness changes as we grow up, as we get older. Uh, the more you're in the sun, the more your skin shows it. The less you're in the sun, the more your skin shows it. Uh, for instance, my son Jordan lives in Portland, Oregon. Every time he comes back here to Hawaii, he's not, he's not dark or light. He's pale. Like he has no color on him because he's not in the sun like us here in Hawaii. So he's, he's almost like gray. And I'm like, dude, you got to get some sun. You're just, you're, you're, you're color pigmentation right now is so different. Why? Because our skin goes through different color changes depending on the exposure to the sun. So our exterior changes. Even, even the, the hair on our head changes. Sometimes it changes color. Sometimes it grows longer. Sometimes fall off. But it changes. We all go through changes. I know for children right now, some of your children, you know, one day they're talking like this, good morning, mom. The next day they're like, good morning, mom. And then the next day they're like, morning, mom. It changes throughout our, our life. So we go through changes. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we think we don't go through changes. But we do. We go through complete change. We should go through complete changes. The Bible calls it transformation or reformation or we're reformed or renewed, rejuvenated. There's a, there's a renewal. So we go through changes even in the kingdom of God. See, who we are and who we're becoming is far more valuable than what we're doing. Everyone has a different story to tell and we'll process it differently. We'll all process life differently. We'll all process situations differently. We can even go through the same things in a family, but we all process it differently. We are uniquely created for a specific reason, and God does that because we are all a part of his story. The question is, who am I becoming in his story? And maybe that's the question you can ask yourself. Who are you becoming in God's story? Who, who are you in the grand scope of God's story? And if you never heard that God has a story, well, today I'm going to let you know he does. Because we've, we've, we've been hearing, even in the media, uh, through sports, through uh, interviews, and through even podcasts, and, and vidcasts, and different YouTube videos that you might watch, or even TikTok videos, or whatever else you may, you may watch and listen to, that part of the theme right now is that history makes us. And history defines us. But we, we've learned and we're learning that history doesn't make us, nor does it define us. God made us, so God defines us. If I allow history to make me and define me, what if I have a bad history? What if I, had a bad, what if I have a bad past? What if my ancestors had a difficult time and they, they went through some horrible things? Does that define me? 
So something else outside of the structure of humanity should define us. Because if we're only defining ourselves, then how do we get out of the negativity that happens throughout history? How do we make things better and not repeat history? Even in our own family, our, our, our bloodline, or maybe some things that were done to me, now I'm doing to my children. Where do, where do I shift? And maybe the negative things that were done to me, I no longer pass on to my children. How do I do that? How do I now, in God's story, let him create in me a new story? You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's the good news. We get to be a part of the decision of who we're becoming. We get to be a part of the decision because if we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them, that tells us that he's going to do something that we get to walk into. So we go hand in hand with this partnership with God. We get to walk in it. Proverbs 27, uh, excuse me, 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. In other words, it's like someone inviting you over for dinner and they're saying, oh yeah, relax, enjoy. But they're, they're not even paying attention to you. Why? Because you're, you're just the guest. You're nobody of value they might be feeling. Oh, you eat with them. You're there, but your, your brain, your thoughts, your heart is not with them. Because as you're thinking about it, and as you're thinking about just maybe you or somebody else, and you're not thinking of that person, you're going to act that out. And so when the Bible says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's just like us with God. If we don't think we're a part of his story, we're going we're gonna to live our life according to our own story, how we want things to be done, rather than God seeing a great life for us and his story coming to pass. And if we think in the way of, well, I'm separate from God. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Then I'm going to live that way. And I'm going to show it with other people. So who am I in his story? Who are you in God's story? Just think about that. Who are we in God's story? Because if you don't realize that you're in a story, then you have no purpose. You just meander through life. You find no meaning in life. But when you understand you're a part of his story, then everything you do has meaning to life. Everything you do has a purpose. If not, and we don't think that we're a part of God's story, then everything is clockwork. You punch in, punch out. Or we get a paycheck. We live. We survive. Having children is all about just parenting versus I'm raising up one of the children that God created to make a difference in the world and for all of eternity. If we only understand who we are in history, we're imprisoned because we can only know so much of history. But things begin to change when you understand that you are in his story. We're not separate from the things of God unless we separate ourselves from the things of God. 
See, your God-given potential is realized and all things become possible only in his story because now you know that you have God-given potential. If you don't realize that, then you're not going to live that way. Also, when you understand that you're part of his story and you understand who you're becoming rather than who you're not, because that's important too, then you don't take offense so quickly. You're not as hurt so quickly or as often. You work through those things and you process it well. Now, in fact, 1 Peter 4.19 says it like this, Therefore, let those who suffer, many of us are suffering right now, suffer according to the will of God, commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So the Bible is telling us, listen, you're going to suffer, but suffer according to the will of God. And therefore, those who are suffering according to the will of God, they commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. See, pain and suffering becomes a part of the story rather than the end of your life or the end of the story. And it's in that pain and suffering where we change, we become better, we mature, but only if we choose to do that because it, com- it becomes our opportunity to grow in Jesus. We talk about last year and you know, 2020 being the year that we grew the most in Jesus Christ. Can we look back at 2020 and say, boy, I went through some good changes. Or did I just, am I just waiting for the year to pass so that we get back to normalcy? See, if we squander the year that we were given as an opportunity to grow, we're worse off than before the pandemic hit. Kobe Bryant, who is recognized as one of the greatest who have ever played the game of basketball, in, in his book called The Mamba Mentality, he, he, says, he says this, if you're going to work out, and let's just say you get up and you work out 7 o'clock, you work out, or you eat breakfast and then you work out at about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, you work out for two hours, you get a workout in from 9 to 11. And then you rest, and then later on in the afternoon, you get another workout after you eat lunch and all of that, and you work out from 2 to 4. So you get another workout. And maybe you have dinner and then get a, maybe a late night session at about 9 o'clock. And you have three workouts. Then you go to bed, and then same thing every day. Or, he says, you can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, get a workout in at 5.30 to about 7.30, 8 o'clock. And then you can have a light lunch and then get another workout in from 1 o'clock to about maybe 3 o'clock. And then get another workout after a light dinner. And maybe you get a, a workout in from about, whatever, you know, 6 to 8. And then you get another workout in, a late night workout. He says the earlier you get up, you have a head start. So by the time you finish your workouts, you have four workouts per day. And he says over a span of 20 years, which was his career. He said, if you are doing that, after so many years, he says, it doesn't matter how many times someone works out if they're only doing three times a day. And here's what he said. They will never catch up with you. Because you put in the work. You put in the time. You put in the effort. You're, you're the one who took the opportunity to grow. You're the one who took the opportunity and not squander the time, but you made use of it. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 tells us, My brethren, count it all joy. Now, I would have loved that it, it finished with, Count it all joy 
when you receive your paycheck. Count it all joy when you buy a brand new thing. Count it all joy when you're getting along with people. Count it all joy when you have a, a brand new wardrobe. Count it all joy when you get new shoes. Count it all joy when, and all the good things come up. But this is what James says. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I'm pretty sure none of us, when we hit various trials, are like, oh, I'm so thankful for this trial. I wonder what, what I can do with it. I wonder how, how, I can, how I can navigate through it because I'm so thankful that I have this problem before me. Oh, the bills aren't being paid. I don't have the finances. So-and-so let me down. This person betrayed me. Oh, I, I'm counting in all joy because I'm going through this trial. Flat tire, awesome. Car broke down, praise the Lord. No one's really responding in that kind of way. What James is saying is, listen, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, not because of the trial, but because of this, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be, you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what James is saying is, when you encounter a trial, that's an opportunity to grow to become who you are in his story. As Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and, tri and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. That's where it leads us. So we're not done when we encounter various trials. We're not, we're not fixated on the problem so that it overtakes us. We're looking forward to the confident hope of salvation, the character that God is going to build in us because godly character is the possible end result. But we have to do something with the trials that we go through lest this past year works against us character is proof a specimen of tried worth in other words the character that we're building should be proof that there is a god who is changing us from the inside out lest when we talk to our family and friends who know we go to church and know we believe in god they're like what's the difference with you and i you're worse than me and you go to church and you say you know god and rather than us saying, oh, why do, you have to, why do you have to judge me go back to wait a minute that might be true so lord how can i being a part of your story. How can I excel in life? How can I get better so that I represent you better? And who am I in your story? See, we can be a part of God's story and excel in life by understanding who we are in his story, not who we are in history. The first thing is to recognize that God has a story. When God created us and gave us the freedom to choose, although we... we have free will he, he didn't just let things go and, and not have a plan for it God has a story he has an unbelievable story and when when people come into this world and when we come into this world and when God sent us Jesus into this world we all step foot into the same environment And when Jesus came into this world, he, he, didn't, he didn't turn away from us because we're sinful creatures. God didn't turn his back from us because we're sinful. 
In fact, that's why he sent us Jesus. He sent us Jesus. He came himself. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God sent his very own self. So now, not only does God have a story and that we are in his story, but he is also in his story with us in our story. God comes alongside of us in his story, in our story throughout history. Even before he made the world, Ephesians 1, 4 says, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He already chose us to be holy and without fault. You see, in our story, we think we are the main character. In his story, he's the main character and together our relationship with him becomes the main plot. And God's the star of the show. Sometimes we think we're the star of the show, which puts too much pressure on us. Now we have to act or perform. But 1 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So if we allow God to be the, the star of the show, if we allow him to be the star of our life, now we just follow his lead. Not as a dictator would, but as a relator would. That we follow his lead. Why? Because he's a good father, he's a good God, and he will always lead us down right paths. He knows the story because he has one. The second thing is that God is the director of our story. I'm so thankful that God directs our story. He helps us. He shows us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us. God is the director of my story, your story, all of our stories. And he helps us along the way. As Galatians 3.13 tells us, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who hung on a pole. And Jesus was hung on the cross. And they understood that, that when someone is crucified or hung on a pole or, pale, or is impaled on a pole, that person is cursed. So Jesus took on the curse of sin for us so that we, in his story, could have an amazing one. And it is only through Christ that God is able to direct our lives because we are no longer dead in our sins. There is now no more shame or guilt or condemnation in Jesus. God is able to shape us for a better life because we've been redeemed. One of my favorite movies is called Ready Player One. I believe they're making a second one, but in this movie, it's, it's a, it's, 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 um, they use so many different types of technology for this movie because there's, there's computer animation and, and CGI and all of that, uh, computer graphic imagery. So in this movie, when they're making it, you need someone to direct it because here you have the actors and actresses with all of this gear on them with cameras pointing to their faces and they have all these dots on their faces so that there can be reference points to the computer for facial movements and muscle movement. So as they're doing this, the director comes to the actors and actresses and says, okay, right now you're running from a thousand people and you have to dodge weapons or bullets coming at you. You have to dodge certain things coming at you. There's an explosion that's going to happen on this side. Now, the director sees everything and will let them know what's going to happen without them even seeing what is happening. 
So the actors and actresses have to trust the director, lest they're just in this empty warehouse, a green warehouse, and they don't know how to act, and they just act according to their environment rather than responding to the voice of the director. When they respond to the voice of the director, by the time the computer imageries are brought in and and post-production happens and the editors come in and and all of the creators come in behind them and and all of the the technicians and, and those who have the animated skills to bring in background and lighting and the different characters when you put all of that together for the actor and actress when they watch the final they're amazed at the story that they were a part of and it works well because they listen to the voice of the director and sometimes we can get caught up in the things that are happening around us the green screen around us that we're We're responding according to what's happening in the world rather than listening to the director's voice. Now, when people say negative things about us, what is the director saying? Or when a certain situation happens, what is the director saying? What is he mentioning to us? Are we to love the person? Are we to respond with gentleness and kindness? What is God saying to us? Because that's what's most important. God is directing our story, it's a life story. That's why when he tries to shape us, we can trust him. Why? Because he knows that this is going to happen. This is happening around you. Here are some things that you don't know of that is happening that you can't even see yet. God says, but I see it. So this is why why I'm asking you to do these things. This is why I'm asking you to make these changes. I'm going to edit this part. I'm going to cut here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to help you through it so that the end result, as you look back and you watch your life, you're able to see that I was doing something spectacular. He knows the camera angles of our life. He knows where to come from. He knows when to slow down, when to speed up. He knows when for us. He knows when we should stop, be still, so that we can know that he is God. He knows how to put everything together. He knows your character well, and he knows how to make sure that everything works together for your good, my good. Isaiah 64, verse 8 tells us, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we, and all we are, the work of your hand. We're the works of his hand. He is the potter. We're the clay. We've heard that before. If this is the first time, then you understand that the potter is the one that molds and shapes the clay because he has a vision or she has a vision of what this is going to be. And so is God to us. When he sees something in our life that that we may see as a setback, God sees it as a setup for something even greater. And who we're becoming in in releasing our God-given potential, he's saying, but don't squander that time. Don't squander the moment. Don't waste what you're going through. Let me use it to shape you. As we hear often, God never wastes a pain and he never wastes a hurt. He can always use it to shape us. God sees it as as a part of our story and who we're becoming. I remember growing up and at about the age 
at about age seven, my father left. And I didn't know, we didn't know he left us. He was in the military, so we thought he was gone for the military. Uh, he had, you know, different um, assignments that he had to do, so we didn't know. And it took me years, probably five years, to understand that, wow, I don't, I'm growing up without a dad. And it was around that time that I met Heidi, who is my wife. I was 12 years old when I met her. And when I met her and her family, I met her father, and he became my dad. So just having that short time without a dad and then understanding that, okay, he's like a father to me, but he became my dad. I could have used that as a negative thing in my life, that I don't have a dad growing up. Therefore, I'm just going to throw in the towel and I'm going to treat everybody bad and I'm going to use that as, as a reason for my behavioral patterns rather than saying, wait a minute, I grew up without a dad. So what is it like if I became a father, which I did as a teenager. Heidi and I had our child. I was 15 and she was 16. He's 32 now. And then our younger one is 26. So if I used my history to define who I was and not let God direct my story, then I would have been a horrible father because I didn't know what it meant to be one. Thanks be to God that he's our heavenly father that I can learn from him and I have a lot more learning to grow. Or a lot more learning to go. Yeah, both. Grow and grow. Grow and go. And then at age 37, I became a papa, a grandfather. And now my grandchildren are 11, 9, and 7. So if back then I used the reason why I can behave this way, today, my history defines me, then how would I treat my grandchildren? How would I treat people? See, you can, you can either try to erase your past or with God directing our life, we can embrace our past. Okay, God, these things have happened. I, I could have made better decisions. I get it. Where am I today and who am I becoming in your story? And sometimes we try to erase it, suppress it, push it down, or not even talk about our past or even discuss it because we don't want to go there. We don't want to explore the hidden things in our hearts and our spirit. You know, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verse 6, says that the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and live. And live have life in you, not just exist, not just meander through life, and every day is another day that I, I complain and grumble because I don't have the life that so-and-so has. I don't have the life that I wanted. I'm not living up to the standards of God. Okay, I get that. And if I've been doing that for the past 20 years, I've wasted 20 years doing that. I can now say, God, direct my life, and where do I go from here? He says, Live. I'm not just here to survive or exist or to take up space. He says, live. You're here to live. God can turn any mistake into a miracle and our traumatic past into a terrific purpose. God has a story. He's the director of our story. And then finally, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us inside and out. He formed us. In fact, Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 tells us, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in 
my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. If you're around someone right now, I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell them, I am marvelous. Tell them right now, I'm marvelous. Go ahead, tell, tell somebody you're marvelous. Some of you already know that. Some of you probably said that even before I even said for you to say that. You got to tell yourself that every single day. I am marvelous. And it's not a conceited thing. It's not a prideful thing. It's a praise to God be the glory thing. Because we're saying to him, I'm only marvelous because you created me that way. I am marvelous. Fearfully, wonderfully made. My soul knows that very well. Our soul knows that very well. But it's time for our brain and our emotions to know that very well. Our spirit knows that, but we need to know that. Psalm 139, 14, in a different version, says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. So tell the same person, I am complex. <laughs> I am complex. It doesn't mean difficult that you're a difficult person. It's just I'm complex. I'm complex. And now somebody might say, no, 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 you are complex. No, not difficult complex, which means there are so many integral parts of how we function as a human being that we're going to need God because we're so wonderfully complex. Not disheartenedly difficult. It's wonderfully complex. Your, worksman, your workmanship is wonderful. How well I know it. And sometimes we settle for the negative attitude we have and we say, that's just the way I am. Or we even say this with other people. That's just the way they are. But that's a false premise to God say, no, that's not just how you are. You don't look at the negative and say that's how you are. You look at the positive and say, but this is who we're becoming. Sometimes we settle for the negative. And God says, I want to create in you and, re and remind you that, you're, that you are marvelous, that you're wonderfully made. Sometimes we settle for, oh, that's how I was raised. Or that's just my bloodline. I remember, I remember thinking to myself, because I've heard this in my family, uh, when I'm, when I'm strong-minded and, 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 and I would talk with my mom and, and try to drive my point home. And she would say, why are you, why are you so, I think she used the word stubborn. She goes, you, you just, you just, you have to have the last word. I'm like, I don't have to. <laughs> she said, you always need to say that. I said, I don't need to say the last word. And I remember this one day, we started laughing afterwards because she's, just the same. And when I would say the last word, she goes, see, I told you. I said, you too. She goes, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't need to add the last word. And we're going back and forth. And of course, we we're laughing. But then we came to this conclusion. I wonder, and we said, I wonder if it's because we're Filipino. That we're so, we're, we're, we're strong-minded. She said, maybe it's because we have Filipino blood or Korean blood. And then I thought, well, does that make a difference? What kind of bloodline we have? Because I'm sure if you, tr if you have a blood transfusion from someone else, that you don't become like them. A friend of mine came up to me, and they truly believed that. They said, no, 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 the reason why I'm angry all the time is because I'm Puerto Rican. I said, what? He said, yeah, it's my Puerto Rican blood. My Puerto Rican blood gets the best of me. And when the Puerto Rican blood gets the best of me, I just can't, I can't, I can't calm down. I'm just, I just, I just got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to, I got to tell them as it is, right? That's being truthful, right? Isn't that love? Just being truthful. And I got to tell them as it is that hey, this is what it is, that you are like this. You're arrogant. Oh yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah, that's who you are. You're just, a, yeah, you're a moron. At least I'm being truthful with them, right? Is that, is that good? I'm like, ah, uh, as a believer, 
no, that's, we, we got to be different. But I can't help it now because that's my bloodline. Like, do you know if you had a blood transfusion that y- y- you still would be like that, you know? They're like, really? I said, yeah, it's blood is blood. That's why we can have blood transfusions. It's not like, okay, what kind of blood do you have? Oh, Filipino blood. Oh, only work on these guys. Because if that were true, I would look for my, the friends that were the calmest. Like I have some, I have some friends who are calm and they have, and now I'm, 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 going to go, I'm going to go into an ethnicity, okay? Just for illustrative purposes, lest you feel like this is a, uh, an attack on a person or, or, or a certain uh, ethnicity. But I have some friends who are the calmest people. Now, one of them has Japanese. So let's just say I think that because of their bloodline, if I get a blood transfusion from them, I'd be a much calmer person. I will not be a calmer person because of a blood transfusion. And vice versa. You take the most angriest person, have a blood transfusion to the calmest person, it's not like now they become the angriest person. Konnichiwa! They're not going to become angry all of a sudden. Why? Because your bloodline doesn't define you. God does. It's his story. So don't settle for the things of the past that you say, oh, just because my ancestors were like this, my dad was like this, my mom was like this, I was treated this way. It was because of my bloodline. No, no, no. Don't settle for those things. Settle for the things of God. Never settle for less than God's ultimate best of who we're becoming. See, we all have, we all have difficulties in our past. We all have a, maybe a weird past or, a, or some, tough up, some tough times in our upbringing. We all have secrets about us. And if, you have ever, and if you've ever been able to share things with people and, and have, a, have a, even like a therapist help you through that process and, and emotionally work that through, it's beneficial because now we're not letting those emotions just be suppressed or we, we don't deal with those things. Find people that you can share even the most difficult things with that will love God, love you, love your family, and help you through it because it's freeing. Rather than someone judging you, find those people that will help you through that because those things can become vices that hold us down and imprison us from becoming the person that God sees us to be. And what's most important is not how other people see us. What's most important is how God sees us, who you are in the kingdom of God, not in this world. You see, who you're becoming in his kingdom is far greater than what you are in this world. So when we make a mistake and we own it and we realize, you know what, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. It changes everything about us when we need to make a decision. And although we will struggle through making decisions probably to the end of our life, when we begin to understand who we are, because that's where the tension is going to be, then now we're able to listen to his voice and understand that who we're becoming is far greater than who we were. But we have to step into that realm. See, the tension is between who who I was and who I am and who God sees us to be, who God sees me to be, you to be. So if we keep pressing closer to the creator, the one who is able to see 
way beyond who we are today, then he is able to equip us as he molds us and shapes us for the future that he sees for us and who we're becoming. For you and I to become something we're not, it will be very frustrating because then at that point, all we're trying to do is be who we think we're supposed to be rather than who God shows us we are to be. For Heidi and I, we are completely different in things that we do. Now, there are some similarities as husband and wife, but there are a lot of things that are different in us. I'll say one thing, she thinks I mean that, and she follows through with it. I'm like, no, I never meant that. That's not what I meant. So there is that communication part of it, but we're just different people. And you might be the type of person who says, what do I need to do, and how do I do it? And you're able to change it. You're able to just change your mind. But if you're only changing your mind, then you're going to act those things out and say, okay, all I need to do is do this. Yes, you'll be a better husband. Okay, I'll do this. Read some books. All I need to do is do this. Yes, then I'll be a better person. Okay, I'm just going to change the way I think. And that's it. Well, what happens is I change the way I think, but if I don't change the way I feel, and my emotions and my thought process don't go together, all I will do is perform for people. And that doesn't last long until people find out, I don't even feel that way. That now I'm just acting it out, but there's no emotion that goes with it. So people see right through it. And you might start with, oh, I'm going to try, and then follow through with action and do things differently. That's a, that's a good start, but my emotions must catch up. Because if all we do is perform for people, we know that as a facade you think you have to behave a certain way because the boss expects it or you believe that you have to behave a certain way because your children expect it or, or, or at church that this is what people expect and then you try to behave in certain ways and you put on a performance but it's unsustainable because your emotions never caught up with your changes and so you put so much performance pressure on yourself that if anyone makes any kind of comment with your outward appearance or what you said or what you did then you're easily offended and you leave that environment or that group of friends and even the people who, who maybe the people that God surrounded you with and they want the best for you because everything was performance oriented and you believe you were supposed to behave in a certain way but you don't have the heart to go with it so you just go through the motions day in and day out and come to a place in life where you have no idea who you really are you slip into depression There are no no emotions. You just go through the actions and no no emotions attached to any of your actions and so you become robotic and now you just live life as clockwork and you just become numb to everybody else. And we will ourselves to do things but without no joy, without no heart, with no love. As Romans 12, 2 tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So there's a transformation that takes place. But along with that transformation comes Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 51, verses 10, to 10 through 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation, your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. So they go hand in hand. The mind and the heart has to change together. To be loyal means to be securely determined, be fastened. In other words, you're connected securely to God. That renew, renew that loyal spirit within me. Renew that connectivity with you, God. See, I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind, but I am reformed by the renewing of my heart. Otherwise, if it's just a, a mind transformation and the heart doesn't change, this will only last so long because we can only will ourselves for so long. And if we do that, we're frustrated a lot because we're just wondering why we keep making the same mistake over and over and we have no emotion for it. Why do I continue to yell at this person? Why do I keep making the same mistakes over and over? Why? Because our mind has made the decision of who you should be, but your heart, your soul, your emotions have never made that change or the transition into that new way of thinking. And it's not just changing here, but here. Because it's not just changing in, and, and having a new way of thinking, it's also a new way of feeling. And that's a tough place to be in. That's why sometimes we surround ourselves with people who they don't, they don't, they don't challenge our emotions. But we've got to surround ourselves with people, a community of people that will help us through our most deepest emotional setbacks. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. We're going to need people who are close to us who can talk it out with us and process it and allow our emotions to catch up with, with us with the changes that are going on in our minds so that as the Holy Spirit walks alongside of us, he can bring the two together. And be okay with admitting your flaws. That's the harder part. Be okay with admitting what you're not good at. I have a hard time admitting what I'm not good at. But it's a freeing thing when you say, you know, I'm not good at that. Why? Why is it freeing? Because now there are no expectations. There are people in our, on our staff that do a much better job than I can any given day, on any given day, with how they literally care for someone. And you might think, but as a, as a pastor, shouldn't you have that? Yes, I should. But I'm not as good as so-and-so, so I don't need to compare myself. I don't need to try to be better than someone else. I can just admit, here are certain things that I'm just not good at. I still need to improve in them, and I want to. But if I'm not good at that, I've got to admit that. Say, Lord, I'm not good at that, so what am I good at? And how can I grow in all of the other areas? And then collectively, as the body of Christ we can go into the world and love people and be together as a body of Christ and help one another. See, the, the more I understand what I'm not good at and what I'm good at, now I live a balanced life. But the more you admit what you're not good at and being okay with it, not, not being prideful or oh, I, have, I have to know or be in the know or that I know or I know I do certain things well or I got this down, but that I, I truly understand that there are certain Flaws that I got to be okay with, you're more freed. You don't have to perform for people. And when you understand who you are in his story, you enjoy the story of your life that much better and will be able to embrace even the most difficult times because each scene of your life and each season of your life 
is a part of your incredible journey with God, whatever it would look like. And it's only in God that we'll be able to truly see who we are in his story. And the only person you really need to find applause from is God himself. And he is already pleased with you. So you don't need to perform even for God. You just be the best that you can be for him in his story. Amen. We're going to pray together. And uh, as we do so, there are a couple questions and even some discussion time if you want to do this and even in your own home groups. And what's the story of your life? Just think about it. What's the story of your life? For me, it was that. Dad left at an early age. I became a teenage father. Met my wife when I was 12 and then came to church when I was 19 or 18 around there and accepted Jesus. And my life changed. And I'm still on this journey of of being renewed and being transformed. But that's the story of my life. That's the short version. And who do you think you are in God's story? Who do you think you are? For example, for me, I truly believe that I'm a child of the Most High. And because I'm royalty, I get to walk in His kingdom freely with no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. That I I get to serve God in who He is. And then pray and ask God to surround you with people who will love you and support you through the most difficult times in your life. And watch what he does from that point on. As we close in prayer, let this be a part of our foundation as we move forward. And many of you are wondering, well, you know, when do we regather as a church? Right now we're in the process of training our volunteers. And once we, once we get that down, we want to make sure that we're safe before we regather in person. But we'll let you know because we're focusing more on the how than the when. We want to do a good job at making sure everyone is safe. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you once again for the love that you have for us. Thank you for for creating such a great story for all of us and for helping us becoming more like you. You know us better than we know ourselves. You have a story, which is good news. And so help us to walk in that story. Help us to hear your voice so that when you direct our lives in this story, we trust you more than our circumstances and the things we see. And I pray for anyone, if If you're saying, I don't know Jesus, then I'm going to say a prayer that will help you in this relationship with God. It's a prayer of salvation. And if you want that renewal, that reformation, that being transformed kind of life, then here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, repeat after me and just say it with your own heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean and make me more like you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me eternal life. So I thank you for being my God. In your name I pray. And Lord God, that's our prayer today. Help us to remember who we are in your story. And when we do, we'll hear your voice and walk out what you're asking of us. And in the end, when we get to look at our life, we will see that it was an award-winning film that you created. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen. For those of you who said yes to Jesus,